Hi, I'm Charles. Hi, I'm Bailey. And you are listening to Hold Me, I'm Scared. Welcome back to Hold Me, I'm Scared, where every other week we pick out a spooky topic and explore it. This week, our theme is campfire stories. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I think it's perfect because, you know, we're in September now. It's nearly fall. Camping trip time. Halloween time. Scary stories around the fire time. Perfect Mm. theme. All of those that physically gave me like a verbal boner. Mm. I'm just very into like, look, you know, I love summer. I really, really, really love summer. But I also really, 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 really love October. And I... I always feel like I said this in my um, when I was recording yesterday for my YouTube video. I was like, uh, you know, I usually kind of forget about September, and September feels like just very, I don't know, like forgetful. But it's kind of perfect because it's like I get the best of both worlds, like right before my spooky season and like as my summer's ending. So, like, Mm -hmm. it should be a a joyous month. A transitional period. We love a transitional period. Between your two favorite seasons. Yes. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am... I'm fine. Um, But let me ask you this. (laughs) What, What are you scared of today? What are you scared of today? You, Bailey. Oh, sorry. That phone call? Oh, my God. I don't... I keep getting... What is it? I don't know. I keep Who getting, like, spam calls. I, I just heard Me, too. Like, a lot more increasingly. Yes. I'm getting them, like, multiple times a day. It's driving me crazy. Um, well, I'm... I'm scared. In general. I'll hold you. <laughs> um... I grad school is really hard and um, it's taking up like all of my mental energy and most of my free time now so I'm just feeling a little overwhelmed and I guess concerned that like I'm not gonna be able to like effectively manage my time and accomplish what I want to in school and then also like in my personal life you know yeah, I mean, but, you know, you should feel fortunate. <laughs> what is that approach? You should feel fortunate that you're even allowed to go. A woman in an educational institute. Yeah. You should be thankful. Um, No, I get it. That's like, that's a lot, man. You're working a lot. You're doing grad school. It's disgusting. College <laughs> is always, like, more than it should be. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Because it's just like, here, we're going to ask you to pay all this money and go into debt to read these books. And we're going to make quizzes about these books. And now I need you to write an essay about these books. Yeah. Thanks. All I do is just write essays. And so I'm doing an online program. So a lot of it is like discussion based where... You have to, like, post your essay for the class to comment upon and then comment on other people's essays. And um, 
I I had to do one where like we'd heard of Phil. (laughs) I had to do one where I like talked about homophobia, um, and I like didn't say that I was queer, and maybe I should have, so I would have avoided getting responses like this. But this person commented on it and was like, um. You know, I have to say that when I was like in middle school and high school, I was not a good friend to gay people. And I still have a lot of questions about gay people. And do you think that like homophobes are like always bad or are they just ignorant? (laughs) I'm like, that's a lot. I don't think that is a lot right there. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't think it matters. You're being a dick. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't, the the belief is like intrinsically harmful, so it doesn't really matter, like the reason. Um, right. And just like to be. I, love, a, I still have a lot of questions. I know. That's what I was about to say. It's like also to be like what? in a grad program like mine and then to just say like such blatantly like ignorant shit I was just like okay and I, I have to like respond to her and I was just like I, I like I'm sitting there just like how do I not how am I not mean you know how am I not mean about this did you ask what questions that they had no I don't care I want to know it's probably like it's probably something like very like you know how gay people are just very fetishized like gay men are just like it's all about like you imagine gay men, you imagine sex. You imagine gay women, you imagine sex. Like, it's just, that's it. That's probably it for them. They're probably like, well, the sex, though, how does that work? Girl, look it up online. Yeah. There is plenty of pornographic evidence for you to, like, delve into. Yeah, but it's like, that's not accurate to, like, how it works, necessarily. No, sometimes it is. Right. But, but like, the mechanics are yes, the, the same. I was just about to say the word mechanics. I was literally about to say that same sentence. We're the same person. Oh my god, I'm sitting on an exercise ball. She was like, "When, like, when do you have to experience interacting with people who are homophobic?" And I was like, "As a queer, pretty much every goddamn day." Like, yeah. What kind that is like? Maybe that's the kind of questions that she has. But I was like, there, there is such a thing as a stupid question. I'm gonna say it. Very controversial, hot take here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I also believe there are some things that are stupid questions, but maybe not even stupid. But I feel like pointless, which sound very the same, but they're not. Like I do think some questions. Sh- just should go unasked like for example i have this co-worker we all don't like her and if she ever listens to the podcast she doesn't know it's her um but anytime there's i think i mentioned her before anytime there's like a meeting and they're like okay we're gonna wear blue shirts on tuesday she'll raise her hand and be like so you're saying we're gonna wear blue shirts on tuesday And they're like, yes, blue shirts on Tuesday. Okay, first question, right? Just for clarification, sure. Okay, I understand. I sometimes need, like, reiteration. But then it's like, well, what if I don't exactly have a blue shirt to wear on Tuesday? Like, what, can I still wear one on Monday? Like, does it have to be on Tuesday? Or can I, like, actually wear one on Monday, too? 
things like that very just like no one thought of that no one needs to think of it yeah it's just irrelevant don't yeah irrelevant yes yeah so um you know grad school is scary man it's very hard and they're uh idiots even in a program in which you're supposed to be be becoming an expert so um yeah that's what's up what are you afraid of um i was just thinking of that um ooh, i'm afraid of poverty um i think i mentioned that before but you know it just seems like my bank account just keeps getting lower and lower like i was sitting at a certain amount and now i'm not sitting at that amount anymore and i know i did just make some like big purchases you bought a car to me car yeah well okay i didn't buy the car i'm making new payments on a car um but i i don't know there's just like a lot going on a lot of like different expenses that i didn't like plan on spending but i think i'm going to be able to work that second holiday job obviously i really think it's going to happen because the new assistant manager already knows me everybody there already knows me except for like the new new manager and like I already have a lot of experience there so yeah no I think it's great I think you'll be fine I I'm have gonna no working doubt two jobs again so there's that. Also, also it's like you have savings so it's not like yeah you're close to being destitute I mean we all unless I no. mean most of us are closer to that than like being a millionaire but it's like you have a little bit of a safety net fortunately I do um even though I had to take a chunk out of that safety net uh, recently <laughs> um but you know it's fine everything should work out just fine why because i believe it okay. yay <laughs> okay okay um, oh so um another like kind of scary but like exciting thing i introduced the person i am seeing to my friends yesterday to like but i've already known about this for a long time You've known oh, you it. mean your other friends? You've known. Weird. No, they've also known you about. You have other the, friends. They've also shut up. They've also known about the person that I'm seeing, but they haven't met her. Oh, so oh. they met her yesterday. How did that go? It went really well. Everyone got along. I was just like really nervous. <laughs> I was. I was the Are only. Are you problem. okay with saying her? Because you were saying they, and now you're saying her. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm okay with saying her. It's okay. a girl. It's a girl. Um, it's a girl. Bailey has, uh, speaking of homophobes, <laughs> Bailey has some unsupporters, but on this podcast, um, we speak freely. Yes. So she's coming out here. We already know she was, but. I was going to say, it's it's not a surprise. I really am only in the But there wasn't like a like, dating. No, but I'm only in the closet in like very specific scenarios like when you need a sweater or right. like an outfit for the day yeah when i'm hiding <laughs> <laughs> hiding from life's problems hiding from your cat yeah um you know just hiding uh for the fun of it um but yes i introduced her to my friends uh and it w- <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> just imagine you like hiding for the fun of it just like purposely making yourself scared so you can go and hide and they're just sitting in your closet like <laughs> do you know okay but I, also being like this is a thrill i used to do that when i was a kid this is not a joke i when i was a kid i would lay in bed and i would think of like scenarios 
in which like I could get murdered or kidnapped. I had a really like normal happy childhood and I would I would like either actually get up and physically hide or I would just sit and like look at my room and be like okay how could I escape and how could I hide I actually I I, this you uncovered a memory I actually asked my parents to put a ladder like um like a rope ladder in my room so that if I needed to escape in case you needed to hawk it out the window yes from the second story (laughs) I was like we love physical manifestations of anxiety undiagnosed as a child (laughs) I was like nine and I was like that checks out yeah I I need a ladder for Christmas can you get me a ladder so that I can escape from a fire or an intruder I also always thought that things were going to catch on fire so but also that's like not a bad idea because now that I'm thinking about it if I had a rope ladder with like good enough hooks I could hook onto the windowsill or something. If there was a fire, I could bust out the window and climb down my rope ladder. Yeah. It wasn't like an unreasonable request. It was just weird that it was coming from a nine-year-old. Yeah. Well, who seemingly has nothing to worry about. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've all done things as a nine-year-old. I know I did. I'm pretty sure around that time I uh, hid in a closet. Well, <laughs> I mean, we all know I was hiding in the closet, but like <laughs> for much longer than nine years, <laughs> much longer. Um, but I was hiding from my family long enough to see if they would miss me <laughs> that is and like so see if you. they would panic if I was gone. <laughs> that is. And then they were so like, Charles, you. Charles. Oh, my God. Where is he? Charles. Open it. I think they even went to open my closet and I hid to the side so that they wouldn't see it when they opened the door because it was like these accordion doors oh my god so then like they're like outside and then I started to hear like actual panic and the moment I heard like actual panic I was like okay I guess they'll miss me and then I came out and I was like what and they're like where were you and I was like hiding in my closet to see if you'd miss me <laughs> and then cried <laughs> so there's that god that is so you this is from the person who told me like I don't know, a couple weeks ago, like, I wish I could have a funeral, <laughs> but like, I want to, I want to, you said, I wish I could have a funeral, but I like, don't want to die. I want to see everyone mourn me. And I was like, well, we could just like have a funeral for you and like m- make people give eulogies and stuff. Like our friends are weird enough. I feel like we could definitely get some people together to do that. Yeah. But I want it to no, be real. Yeah. That is what you said. You go, no, I want people to actually think that I'm dead so I can see how they would really feel about it. <laughs> and, like how much everyone would miss me. So you really haven't changed at all. <laughs> yeah. Manipulation station. You know, that's where <laughs> my train leaves and it's where it comes back home at the end of the night. I, I just want to know who's going to miss me. It, or is it real? Like who stays around? You know, who's there? What are they going to do with the body? Are you going to respect my wishes? Not like what's what's going on here? How's the family situation? Right. Listen. Yes. Let's set the scene. Okay. We're sitting. <gasps> no, Charles. In a forest. Charles. No, shut up. Because listen to the. I'm going to read you the first line of the script that I wrote for today. Let me set the scene. Did you like? Is it about like? the storytelling atmosphere that you wanted to create no it's like about the story i'm taking us into the story oh but that well, is i fr- was doing like a i was doing like a 
like a this is the scene I'm putting our listeners in and myself. Yes. Okay. You set this scene, and then I'll set my own, or I'll set my scene within okay. a scene. Mm. So. Yes. Here we are. Dark forest. Stars yes. overhead. Yes. There is a half moon. We don't mm. get the full one. There is a crackling fire in front of you. It is hot outside because it is still summer. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're enjoying the fire. We're making well, s'mores. There's like a cool breeze though because it's like the whispers of autumn or oh for sure um but it's just every like once in a while you know it just like yeah shivers through the trees and bailey and i were making s'mores some you have vegan options okay i'm making vegan s'mores <gasps> oh my god which let me just say hershey's i just saw coming out with oat milk chocolate oh interesting i know i was and i've had oat milk oh <laughs> I had I, I've had oat milk chocolate before. It's yum yum yum. We have Hershey's oat milk chocolate. Great. We have Dandy's marshmallows. We also have your little jet puff and your regular Hershey's. Okay, whatever. All you milk eaters, you disgust me. Bailey, she looks up from the fire, shadows dancing around her face, and she says, "Would you like to hear a story?" Just then, everything goes still. And you hear nothing but the crackling fire and see the flames reflecting in Bailey's eyes. Yes. And I'm going to start my story with a would you rather. So, Charles, would you rather be like super fucking wealthy, but everyone hates you? Like hates you. Yeah. Or be like poor, but you can survive. Uh, Poor, but not destitute. And, like, universally well-liked. That is so hard. I know, because it really pits two of your greatest loves against each other. Wealth and attention. I know. <laughs> and I have, like, no supporters if I'm wealthy. None. Zero. No, you you are, like, Scrooge-hated. So I'm, like, not even Donald Trump. Like, worse. Oh, yeah. Like, no cults following. No one likes you. I mean, is it? I know what you want to say, so just say it. Say it out loud. <laughs> Vampire. Republican. Um, uh, you know, just I'll be wealthy. Yeah, I knew it. I fucking knew it. Me too. Okay. Look, if I'm alone, at least I have like the comforts of anything I want. Yeah, exactly. And, like, and who says that I still can't have sex while hated? Hello. Oh, no. I mean, you, you can definitely have sex. We've all had sex with but someone we hated. Myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You would choose money over yeah, friendship. Yeah. Even though the other is really nice to be, like, really loved. You probably have, like, true love. Everybody loves you. You're, like, lower middle class. Or no, just you're lower poor. Class, I guess. You're, yeah, you're poor. Like, um... Like, like you, not you quite ha- homeless, but like yeah, about you there. have a place to live, but like one really bad day could change that. Oh. So basically, oh, how like most Americans live. Yeah, but I feel like the financial security would make me at least happier. I'd be like, well, at least that's not me. And who said that I can't still like help people out? No, right? I mean, they may you, hate me. Yeah, but you're gonna accept that donation, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. 
because you can you can be a good person if it still have people hate you so it doesn't mean that you're necessarily like a like jeff yeah. bezos you know i still win okay let me set the scene of our story <gasps> oh my god okay so it's august 4th 1892 in massachusetts in the town of Fall River stands a modest but comfortable home. The street outside is busy with the day-to-day hustle and bustle of the town and horses and buggies skip along, the people who ride in them happily oblivious to the horrors inside the house. We walk <laughs> through the front door and into the sitting room. If it weren't for the blood covering the furnishings and the walls, you'd think that the 69-year-old man on the couch was simply taking a nap. Well, at least until you saw his face, now unrecognizable due to the 10 hatchet blows. Upstairs, in the guest bedroom, the scene is even more gruesome. The man's 64-year-old wife lies disfigured on the bedroom floor, having been struck by the fateful hatchet a total of 19 times. No one on the street heard a sound during the gruesome murders of Andrew and Abby Borden. However, I'd be willing to bet that Andrew's daughter, Lizzie, did. Ah! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is like, listen, I was like getting into it, right? And then I was like, wait, why does this sound familiar? You said hatchet. And I was like, hang on just a second. Um, yeah wow like i i know of the story but like i always forget it mm-hmm. i'm ready oh my god this is this is a good this is a good one thank you i'm so excited okay so my sources were a smithsonian magazine article by joseph conforti wikipedia and uh the lizzie borden house official website and lizzieborden.com oh which is lizzieborden.com and famoustrials.com okay so we all know the basics of the lizzie borden story it's, it's infamous uh, but i wanted to cover some aspects that i hadn't really been aware of until i researched it further so we're going to start with like the backstory so do you know oh i want to ask you do you know lizzie borden's middle name hatchet lizzie the hatchet borden um <laughs> so no uh, Lizzie Andrew Borden was born on July 19th, 1860. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, okay, you know what? Shatter those gender boundaries. Get okay. into it. Yeah, and Fall River, Massachusetts to Sarah Anthony Borden and Andrew Jackson Borden. Now, there's a lot to unpack here in these names. I'm So here's what I'm thinking. Um... It must have been like a practice in like the Victorian era to name like have daughters middle names be like the father's first name. But Lizzie had an older sister, Emma. So like, did she come out and Andrew was like, "Mm, no, this one's not good enough for my name. Let's see how the next one turns out. (laughs) Well, what was her middle name? Lenora. Oh, yeah. Maybe they were just like really into the idea of just like that was her name i don't know maybe he was gonna pass it on but they really liked lenora who knows there could be a lot that we'll ask her later when we visit the house no you can you can stay there you know you can't that's what i was just about to say you can literally stay the night there you can stay the night in the murder room the like the room where yeah abby died let me just tell you like okay 
a lot of things could be faked, but like Mikey from YouTube Glam and Gore, she does like, um, well, Glam and Gore makeup. Um, she stayed there like two years ago and there was like a creepy, oh my God, what are they called? The, the voice E, 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 P, E, V, EVP, electric voice phenomenon. EVP. I was like EPV, <laughs> HPV. PVC. Um, there you go. KSC. Um, yeah, they, uh, there was one that was like really spooky and I'll bring it up later because okay. it, it like points to part of the story. But so Andrew Borden, Lizzie's dad, had grown up poor. Uh, but he'd built himself into a real estate mogul, bank president, and a very like well-respected member of society. Aside from his wealth and business achievements, he was also known for being very frugal. So, for example, the house um, in which he would later meet his demise was in an affluent neighborhood, but it was a far cry from the richest neighborhood in Fall River where many of Andrew's family lived and the other, like basically everyone else in their actual economic class lived, which was called The Hill. Um, additionally, their house lacked modern amenities like indoor plumbing, which was a standard accommodation in wealthy family homes at the time. Um, Lizzie and her sister Emma were both very involved in church activities and Christian ladies movements. Lizzie even taught Sunday school. And at the time of the murders, Lizzie was 32 and Emma was in her early 40s. So both were like considered well past marrying age at the time. And both still lived at home. Lizzie and Emma's mother, Sarah, died in 1863, and three years later, Andrew married Abby Durfee Gray. Lizzie and Abby reportedly had a tense relationship. Lizzie herself said that she referred to her as Mrs. Borden and not like mother, Abby, or stepmother. Um, and the family's maid would testify that the relationship between the two was not warm or friendly. They frequently like didn't eat together and like didn't yeah weren't close it's reported that lizzie believed that abby had married her father for his money um which probably well yeah. probably uh the other member of the household was the family's irish maid bridget sullivan who the family called maggie i feel like i read at one point but i couldn't find it and i also don't know if maybe this was from like one of the many like movie or tv adaptations you know being uh a queer like a sapphic um i'm like obsessed with lizzie borden i feel like that's just a part of it and um so i've watched like a lot of adaptations and uh so i i don't know if like maybe it's from that but i feel like i've read at some point that they called her maggie because that had been like a, the previous maid's name and they just, and they're like, well, we're gonna call you Maggie. Yeah, that's what we're used to. Like, we're not gonna learn your name. Yeah, that's very Devil Wears Prada, right? Yes. So, um, and Maggie Bridget, I'm gonna call her Bridget because that's her real name. Bridget was 26 at the time of the murders. Okay. So wait, was Lizzie a little queer? We're gonna talk about it. Oh my god. So. Hatchets are very gay. Hatchets are very gay. So shit was super weird at the Borden house in the time leading up to the murders. Um, just like some some like weird things were happening. So in May, the murders were in August, early August of 1982 or 1982. Uh, 1892. Wow. <laughs> 
Um, and in May of 1892, Lizzie's father took a hatchet to several pigeons in the household's barn. Um, and they were pigeons for whom Lizzie had recently built a roost. So it's been widely circulated that this really upset Lizzie, uh, but we don't know that well, for sure. It's like it wasn't like in a diary or in her testimony, but like it makes sense. Of, like word of mouth, but like very. I mean, look, I'd be upset. Yeah. You know how many times I've like saved a bug or going to save a bug and somebody just crushes it, and I'm like, okay. Excuse me. How yeah. How about I crush you, huh? So, in the months. Prior to the murders, Lizzie and Emma were at odds with their father over the fact that he had given various pieces of his real estate um, to Abby's family members while his adult children hadn't been gifted any. Um, the sisters actually demanded that Andrew give them a rental property and it that specific rental property that they wanted was the home that the family had lived in prior to Sarah Borden's death. So it's where they, they had lived with their mom. Um, and Andrew eventually acquiesced and sold the property f- to his daughters for one do- dollar and later bought it back from them for five thousand dollars. So I don't know if it was like. I don't know. I don't know what was up with that. I don't know if it was. I don't know why he bought it back. I don't know if it, if the like selling of the property was just. Like symbolic uh, if and like just like a way for him to like give them money but it'd be part of like a a legitimate business deal i don't really know what was up with that but i think it's weird yeah maybe it just had to be like a business deal so it had to be like at least like a dollar or something why would the specific property matter like i don't know anyway however emma and lizzie were still unhappy about their frugal father's sudden generosity when it came to gifting properties to his wife's family members and the fact that they were largely left out of this and they just had a lot of arguments over um, like over his real estate dealings in general. Okay, so in July of 1982, why do why? In July of 1892, there was yeah, it's a hundred years ago. There was it's a, not like forty. Stop it. I know there was a family argument that was so bad that Lizzie and Emma both took extended vacations to New Bedford. So they just like left the house for a pretty significant amount of time. I want that. Like, I know. Find the fire disagreement and be like, you know what? I'm going to go stay for like a month (laughs) in the cabin in Pennsylvania or whatever. Yeah. Um, And they came back to Fall River the week before the murders, but Lizzie still wasn't ready to come home and actually stayed in a local boarding house for several days before she came home. Um, Yeah. So there was some real like tension building up. And the night before the murders, John Vinicum Morse, who was the brother of Lizzie and Emma's deceased mother, Sarah, visited and was invited to stay for a few days to discuss business matters with Andrew. Uh, but he, from what I read, from what I've gathered, it seems like he actually only ended up staying that one night because he got there the night before the murders. Okay. What was his name? John Vinicum Morse. John. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit more about the murders. I already gave you, you know, the the juiciest part. But on the day of the murders, Emma, Lizzie's sister, was on vacation 15 miles away from the family home, leaving only Bridget, Lizzie, Abby, and Andrew in the home. 
Bridget would test, and that's the maid, would testify that she was washing windows outside during the first murder, which was Abby's, and um, was ill and had been resting in her room on the third floor, I believe, um, at the time of Andrew's murder. And so Abby was murdered first, and then about an hour and a half later, Andrew was murdered. All right. So let's talk about the trial. And I'm going to give you like the, the pro Lizzie, like um, Lizzie didn't do it. And then the anti Lizzie, like Lizzie's a murder evidence. Okay. So let's talk about like what, what is some of the evidence that maybe Lizzie didn't do it? Okay. So one of the things that worked in her favor during the trial was the fact that she was a woman and people looked at these gruesome murders as a quote unquote like male crime. Um, Lizzie was also a prominent figure in the Protestant community, and she was perceived as a picture of the ideal Victorian purity, as she had devoted herself to religious activities and never married. So this time was, like, really weird because, like, for women especially, because... So, like, Lizzie's sister, who was nine years older than her, was definitely considered a spinster, and it wasn't... It was, like, that was, like, a bad thing, right? It was, like... Um, kind of looked down on to like you know that you never found a marriage partner however Lizzie because she had become a prominent figure in like religious um, movements instead of being seen as a spinster being over 30 and not married was seen as this like they called her like the the Protestant nun so it was like oh it's not that she's like not marriage material it's just that she's like so devoted to her purity and her right. religion she's celibate <laughs> Yes, Good exactly. on her. So I, th- I just think that's super interesting. Um, and that also played in her favor, right? It was like, oh, she's like a God-fearing Protestant nun. Um, also very gay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, additionally, like I said, she was a Sunday school teacher. She was part of an affluent family. She was American. She was white. And this was a time in which relations were tense between nativists, so people that were like, well, I okay, so the the term is nativist, but obviously this doesn't apply to like actual like indigenous Americans. Right. Just like Nativ- the nativism the first the, white people that came. Yes, exactly. Nativism in the Victorian era was like yes. The colonists. Yes, exactly. Um and it was the idea like these were the only people that like deserved to be there or whatever. Um so this was like a time of like a lot of um like nativism and uh there was a big tension between the nativists and the Irish immigrant community in the area. Mm. Um, Also, there was some anti-police sentiment because more and more Irish immigrants were joining the police force. So it was just like a really tense time. Um, And so like people had had started developing this distrust of law enforcement because they didn't like Irish people and Irish people were part of law enforcement now. Well, distrusting the law enforcement once again. Love the theme. Yeah. Um, There was also suspicion on other people. Uh, Andrew was a really wealthy man and not necessarily a nice one. He had enemies and he had people who coveted his fortune. Shortly before the murders, the family had actually all fallen ill, uh, like been really sick. Um, And Abby feared that they'd been poisoned by one of Andrew's rivals. Mm. However, a family friend later mentioned that she thought it was... um, food poisoning from mutton that they had left on the stove to be used in meals like over the course of a week so i think it was probably God damn like, mutton uh, wait why were they rich did you say that already yeah so he was rich uh because he was like a real estate mogul like he earned 
or oh. he owned a lot of properties. He also was like a president of a bank. Like basically in this time, you just like conti- like continued to accumulate assets and wealth. You know, this was the real American dream time for white people. Woo. <laughs> Who weren't immigrants. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> My headphones fell out. Anyway. Okay. So. Um. So, but yes, they're like Abby had thought that maybe they'd been poisoned by one of Andrew's rivals, um, and he did have enemies. And there was also some suspicion cast on John Morse, who, as I mentioned, had been visiting at the time to discuss business matters with Andrew. This was um, Lizzie and Emma's mom, Sarah's brother. Okay. And according to police, John had provided, quote, an absurdly perfect and over-detailed alibi for the death of Abby Borden, end quote. Mm-hmm. And because... That's the uncle? Yeah. And so, like, mm. because his alibi was, like, too perfect and they, like, didn't believe it. And he was investigated as a li- likely suspect for a period of time. So all of this contributed to the idea that Lizzie was innocent. However, there was some pretty convincing evidence for her being guilty. Um, first of all, Lizzie's story changed pretty constantly throughout her interviews with police and even her trial testimony. Uh, an officer also had discovered that Lizzie tried to purchase deadly prussic acid a day before the murders in a nearby drugstore. Now, Lizzie. <laughs> yeah. What she need that for? But, like, also, I guess there were other uses for it. Um, so, like, you know how there are, like, how there are have always been, like, common household poisons like antifreeze rat poison stuff like that so i think it was like one of those situations but the timing is quite suspect um on the day of the murders lizzie told both her father and bridget the maid that abby had gone out to visit a sick friend while she was actually dead upstairs so uh There's also that. When Lizzie, quote unquote, discovered her father dead, she asked Bridget to go get the doctor from across the street. And when Bridget found the doctor wasn't home, Lizzie then sent her to get a family friend instead of the Irish doctor who lived right next door or the French Canadian doctor who also lived on their street. Now, it could be argued that this was because of the anti-immigrant sentiment of the time and not necessarily because Lizzie was avoiding getting her parents' medical attention. Like, after all, they were pretty obviously beyond the point of help um so this all culminated in the jury actually deciding to acquit lizzie almost immediately at the conclusion of the testimony portion of the trial but they waited an hour to announce their decision so that they didn't appear to have made a hasty (laughs) decision um (laughs) okay they were like we can't tell anybody yet we got to wait a little bit make them think that we really thought this through um and uh, yeah so let's get into some theories so obviously like a prominent theory is that lizzie killed her parents as a result of the like argument between the children and their father over the allocation of his real estate properties um and there have also been writers who have speculated that the conversation between John Morse and Andrew about property transfer like had pissed Lizzie off like maybe John was now getting property and it's like everyone but them or was getting like more or better um there's also a theory that the how like their theories that Andrew was abusive to the girls um and that the household was like just super oppressive as a result of like the time which was very oppressive towards women um 
and also the fact that Andrew was so frugal and like you know didn't provide them with the luxuries or even just like basic comforts that they could have afforded um okay I'm gonna talk about the gay stuff a little bit Uh, we love the gay stuff (laughs) so mystery author Ed McBain uh, wrote a novel in the 1980s called Lizzie and his theory is that now this is the actual 1980s yes this is the actual 1980s he suggests that Lizzie killed her parents after being caught in a lesbian relationship with the maid Bridget Sullivan I mean and this is the theory that is the subject of the film that stars Kristen Stewart and Clea Duvall really good highly recommend I've not seen it I will watch it um uh, and so he speculated that Abby had caught Lizzie and Bridget like in the midst of some business and had like, you know, hatcheting. They were hatcheting <laughs> and had um, been like sh- freaked out and like obviously not super cool with that. Um, and then Lizzie had killed Abby and. Uh, with a candlestick it was a candlestick yeah in I, don't the bedroom. Where, I don't know where that came from but and then um his theory is that then andrew like came home and lizzie actually confessed to him uh but then like he also reacted super bad and so she killed him uh with a hatchet um can you even be mad at this point no he a gay also, icon uh, Ed McBain, the author who wrote this book, also speculated that Bridget, uh, like, hid the hatchet afterwards. Um, and, like, so it was, like, an accomplice, was, like, complicit. Um, and that's where the term, bury the hatchet, came from. <laughs> Not really. Uh, or actually, I don't know. But I, don't know. I doubt it. I don't think so either. And so then, as Lizzie got older, like, after the trial and... Um, like towards the end of her life it was like pretty commonly rumored that she was a lesbian and but um, Bridget the maid she ended up you know uh, finding another job uh, and later married a man that she met while working as a maid in Montana so cover up yeah I mean it's not it's not like you know queer people haven't and don't marry members of the opposite sex you know also, let's just state here, this is a pro Kristen Stewart podcast. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, like, don't even try it. She's a talented actress. I don't care what the Twilight directors had her do. Okay? No, she's really good. Please watch, like, any other movie that she's done besides the Twilight She's series. fantastic. You'll know that she's a, a really good actor. Okay. So, Bridget, um, the maid, she died in Montana. And... There's also a rumor that she gave a deathbed confession to her sister that she had changed her testimony during the trial to protect Lizzie. This is Bridget mm-hmm. to her sister? Mm-hmm. Okay. On her deathbed. Okay. I mean, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's also a theory that Lizzie, like, which kind of coincides with either of these theories, um, that Lizzie killed her parents in like a fugue state like kind of like a crime of passion a blind rage and like that she might not even even remember doing it 
It wasn't until I was washing the blood off my <laughs> hands that I even knew no, that they, they were, were dead. dead. They um, had it coming. Yeah. And also, again, there is still those theories that uh, it could have been like a uh, like a business rival or it could have been John. The well, let angle. me tell you, in that Glam and Gore video that, oh my God, HPV, EPV, um, EVP. EVP. <laughs> the voice is like really creepy, a kind of comical sounding, but that is one of like the most clear EVPs that I've ever heard. And it was like, it was John. And mm. just like that. And that was creepy because mm. it sounded it very human y. So, um, yeah. I don't know. We don't know for sure. It's also funny because in my research, like various sources were like, we will never know and we have no idea and then like the smithsonian magazine article was like it's obvious that lizzie killed her parents <laughs> this is how she so got away with it we know the smithsonian is anti-gay that's just that's the it smithsonian museum is homophobic yeah why did i say anti-gay <laughs> i don't know it works whatever same thing um okay so those are some of the theories um and so after the trial the Borden sisters moved together into the neighborhood that they had always longed to live in, the hill, which is like the super rich people fancy neighborhood. Oh. Um, and they lived in, they moved into, they had lived in like a, again, like a very comfortable but modest house. Then they moved into like this big modern house, what we would probably call like a mansion today. Uh, Lizzie started using the name Lisbeth A. Borden instead of Lizzie Andrew Borden. Lisbeth? Not even Elizabeth? Just Lisbeth. Lisbeth. I like okay. it. I think it's cute. Um, and she named their new home, because, you know, like this is back in the time where people like named homes, named Ugh. estates, and they named it, or she named it Maplecroft. I'm going to name my house someday. You should. I think it's, I think we should bring it back. I like it's it. It's cool. Yeah. Maplecroft sounds cool, too. Um, and they had a staff that included live-in maids, a house housekeeper, and a coachman. Um, so what happened was, like, Abby had died before Andrew. And her, like, estate went uh, to Andrew, to her spouse. But because, you know, he was also dead, uh, both hers and his assets passed on to his daughters um so they were now like super rich um however a considerable amount of money was paid to settle claims by abby's family um mm, yeah um so is that an admission or is that just avoiding what so was on? lizzie and her sister like hey like i killed her but like you better shut up and take the money yeah was that it we don't know but maybe or was it just like please leave us alone <laughs> here right <laughs> have some of our like wealth that we'll never be able to spend in our lifetime um so despite the fact that she was acquitted lizzie's slash elizabeth's reputation still did suffer um and also it didn't help when she was accused of shoplifting in 1897 in providence rhode island Girl, what do you need to shoplift for? i don't know um in so in 1905 this is interesting lizzie and her sister emma had a 
an argument over a party that Lizzie had given for an actress named Nance O'Neill. And after that, Emma moved out of their shared home and never saw her sister again. So was Emma also a gay? I don't know. Or like, was was Lizzie involved with this actress? And like, that bothered Emma? And maybe like, like Emma was disgusted know. by it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to stick with the gay theory. I like it the most. <laughs> okay. So the last year of her life, Lizzie got really sick from... Uh, like after she had gallbladder surgery she had her gallbladder removed and she ended up contracting pneumonia and she passed away on june 1st 1927 in fall river um her funeral details were like published uh i'm assuming in like or sorry they were not published um so it was like a private ceremony but very few people attended so this is kind of sad and then just nine days after Lizzie's death, Emma died at the age of 76 in a nursing home in Newmarket, New Hampshire. Um, and she had moved to New Hampshire to like avoid the like press and stuff after because uh, like people were like there were obviously this trial was like immediately sensationalized and there were like newspapers and there were also like books being written about them. So um, the sisters neither of whom had ever married or had children were buried next to each other in the family plot in Oak Grove Cemetery. And that oh. is the story of Lizzie Borden. Wow, good story. I we love the Victorian horror. Um yeah, it's so like so it's like did, fun. How did Emma die? Emma died from nephritis. Ah yes, the queen nephritiri. <laughs> It is. Um, it's a. It causes swelling of the nephrons, which can reduce the kidneys' ability to filter waste from the blood. Oh no! Yeah, it okay. sounds. This sounds very Victorian. It says most. I googled and it says most types of nef. Oh, sorry, nephri- nephritis, not nephritis. Okay. Mo- this says most types of nephritis are caused by your body's immune system reacting to an insult of some sort. That is yeah. a ride. Don't know what I think. All I know is that EVP said it was John. I'm sticking with it. Yay. She was a free, innocent lesbian. Yeah, and good for her, you know? what? Either a true queer girl boss or a violent murderer, and we'll never really know for sure. <laughs> we'll never really know. But we're supportive either way (laughs) lizzie if you're listening to the pod lovely gal (laughs) so i actually wrote the exact same story no (laughs) not really uh could you imagine what if the one time that we didn't talk to each other about it we wrote the same thing first but would you rather actually i actually come up with one um would you rather have to live by consuming the energy of hard work for rehabilitating criminals back into society, but only when you've truly been successful? Or would you rather have to eat truly heinous criminals whole as a form of capital punishment? And side note, you like eating people. Okay, so the first one is that like I would be sustained by rehabilitating people. 
mm-hmm. back into society but it's like it's hard yeah work. like they have to be truly successful and like long lasting for you to be able to absorb that energy or just eating people who like and these are truly heinous like you can tell that's your like power right um part of your power is that you can tell like a truly heinous act was yeah i would rather gain my energy from rehabilitating people yeah just will be harder well yeah but i'm like fundamentally anti-capital punishment and me eating criminals seems kind of in that vein you know well i feel that um but also the idea of eating people whole kind of fun not gonna (laughs) lie um so once again gather around the warm fire watch the shadows move wildly on the trees what's that sound did you see that we've always been afraid of the shadows what we can't see in the dark and i suppose it's probably linked to a primal survival fear creatures lurk in the shadows are predators like wolves and bears and snakes but what about otherworldly things things like hobgoblins bogies and the infamous boogeyman you were probably told by someone or heard it said as a kid that the boogeyman will get you if you don't listen, if you're not good. But who really is the boogeyman? Hmm. Okay. So, from a Bustle article, here's where the whole idea of quote-unquote boogeyman actually came from. They say, The word boogeyman is thought to be derived from the word bogey, which means hobgoblin in Middle English, and the legends surrounding it that may have originated in Scotland, although it's not totally clear. There are reported references that are made to the boogeyman monster as early as the 1500s. Wow. Um, Although it's suspected the concept already existed in folklore long before that. Mm -hmm. It's nearly impossible to pin down the exact origins of the monster because from mythology.net, they say um, the boogeyman has such a large global impact that it's difficult to determine which country told the first tales of the monster. But one thing is for certain. The boogeyman loves to lurk in the shadows of night and its main victims are disobedient children who don't listen to their parents. An icon, so, a legend. Uh, right. <laughs> a teacher, if you will. <laughs> Um, they talk about why the boogeyman is so scary. Seemingly, it has no agreed upon appearance, no gender, no shape. It could be anyone or anything. Perhaps the monster is a shapeshifter who takes what fear you are afraid of the most, um, to which I don't think the spell ridiculous from Harry Potter will do much, though that term boggart is one of the same with our famed boogie. Mm. We do know in America for sure that the boogeyman has two places to hide. Do you know where they are? The dark and Costa Rica. <laughs> yes, his favorite getaway, Costa Rica. Um, no, under your bed or in your closet. Um, they have one motivation to take naughty kids. Now, I was never told that by my parents. I don't know about you. Um, but I know it was, like, mentioned to me as a kid by some adult or, like, older child. I do know that parents do tell their kids that because there are a lot of, like, anecdotal things that I came upon of, like, my parents just told me about the boogeyman and I was terrified. Um, yeah. 
Now, apparently in the southern U.S. and like back in Great Britain, there is a variation I've never heard of called Rawhead or Bloody Bones. Have you heard of that? No. Me neither. This is straight from Wikipedia. So it says, Bloody Bones is sometimes regarded as a water demon haunting deep ponds, oceans, or old marl pits, where it dragged children into the depths, much like Grindelo and Jenny Greenteenth. I don't know who Jenny Greenteenth is, but Grindelo is like... um sort of like a descendant from Grendel from Beowulf. Oh, yeah. Children were told to keep away from the Marl Pit or Rawhead and Bloody Bones will have you. Mm. So most likely just keeping them away by scaring them. Yeah. Um, I might just tell my kid, you can get really, really hurt and crack your neck. Um, that's, but yeah. that's not as effective as something um, supernatural. So... Ruth Tongue said in Somerset folklore that he, quote unquote, lived in a dark cupboard, usually under the stairs. If you were heroic enough to peep through a crack, you would get a glimpse of the dreadful crouching creature with blood running down his face, seated waiting on a pile of raw bones that had belonged to children who told lies or said bad words. If you've peeped through the keyhole, he got you anyway. Wow, that doesn't seem fair. (laughs) I know, like can't even gaze upon old uh, Bloody Bones. So Old Bloody Bones is a Cornish version of Rawhead and Bloody Bones, according to F.W. Jones and Old Cornwall. Old Bloody Bones inhibited, inhabited Knocker's Hole near the village of Baldu. And there was... Charles- said- I know that, like, you know, this report may have been rushed, but that doesn't mean you can just start making up words. <laughs> Knockers Hole near the village of Baldhu. There was said to have been a massacre in that area, and it suggested that he was a ghost or evil spirit attached. Oh, no, sorry, not attached by the carnage, attracted oh. by the carnage. A lot different. Worse, even. Um, yes. So. In the southern U.S., Rawhead and Bloody Bones are sometimes regarded as two individual creatures or two separate parts of the same monster. One is a skull stripped of skin that bites its victims, Rawhead, and its companion is a dancing headless skeleton, <laughs> Bloody Bones. That's me and you. That's our oh, cou- who's Rawhead and who's That's Bloody our, Bones? That's our couple's Halloween costume. Who's who? I think I'm Bloody Bones in your Rawhead. A dancing headless skeleton? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, well, yeah, maybe a a skull that bites people. Yeah, you like to bite. That could be me. Yeah, and I do like my head. Yeah. So, okay, I'll take that. In one cautionary tale, a gossip loses his head to the monster as punishment for his wicked tongue. Legends about bloody bones eventually made their way into African-American tradition as well, spreading to other parts of the United States. So, something that I never heard of before, but I thought it very interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. I don't, I yeah, I've definitely never heard of that before. I mean, Me think neither. being like from Oklahoma, which is, it's the South, okay? Culturally, it is the South. So, you'd think we would have, but I don't think so. Guess you got to get that real backwoods shit. I was um, a backwoods kid, and I didn't hear about bloody bones. That's because you are bloody bones. They were talking about you. Oh, that makes sense. So in other countries, the boogeyman takes a lot of other forms. 
There is La Llorona, mostly from Mexico. I already told her full story on episode four, so go give that a listen. Bailey also talks about Slender Man and the girls who thought that they were doing his bidding. Mm, Spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, in Indonesia, the Java people have Weiwei Gambel, and she's super interesting because she doesn't take kids because they're bad. She takes the kids because the parents are bad. Oh. I know. What a twist. Um, In that Wikipedia article, they um, describe her as an old hag-like woman with long hanging breasts. And when I say long, (laughs) I mean long. Like, mama's dragging them on the floor almost. Um, According to the legend, Weiwei was once a married woman who was barren Her husband abandoned her, and she caught him cheating with some other lady. She was very mad, as I would be too, and killed him. The neighbors... It sounds justified. Right. Um, Very similar to, like, La Llorona. Yeah. Which is so strange how, like, all these stories are so similar, but, like, from people so far apart. Um, The neighbors who heard of this chased her out of town, and in a fit of despair, she killed herself. Mm -hmm. Now... Uh, Weiwei Gombel lives at the top of palm trees in a giant nest where she keeps the kids she takes. She takes them when parents aren't loving their kid enough or treating them right. She will not give them back until the parents learn their lesson. Now, it's mostly said that she treats them like any only any hello. It's mostly said that she treats them like any loving granny would. However, there are always adaptations to the legend where she feeds kids only poop. What? And she is misguided and wants to keep the kids forever because she was barren. Hmm. Right. I much prefer the loving granny who's just like, your parents are shit. I'm going to keep you for a minute. Come live They're in gonna my nest. They're going to figure it out. Right. Come live in my nest at the top of a palm tree. Get into it. In many Hispanophone countries, which I learned means Spanish-speaking countries. I'd never heard that before. Um, there is not only La Llorona... But the coco or kakui, these are dark shapeshifters who wait on rooftops or under beds, waiting to snatch up disobedient children, mostly to eat them, but sometimes kidnapping them to lands of no return. Ooh. One of the... Oh, wait. Would you rather be eaten or kidnapped to a land of no return? Well, I can probably still die if I don't like the land of no return. Mm. So, so I'm going to go with Land of No Return and not be, like, immediately eaten. You're going to see what what's out there first. Right. I'm going to see if the grass is greener. Right. No one said it was a bad if land. it's not. Could be a great time. No one said. It just says, like, Land of No Return. Hmm. Heaven, possibly. So one of the oldest mentions of Kakui come from the 17th century in the Aro de los... Des, hang on. De Posorios. Yes. Um... De la Virgen by Juan Caxes. Um, it goes like this. Duermente niño, duermente ya. Que viene el coco y te comerá. It means sleep child, sleep now. Else, coco comes and will eat you. <laughs> I would fall right to sleep. I'd be so soothed. I know. <laughs> duermente niño, duermente ya. Que viene el coco y te comerá. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Buenas noches. Um, mythology.net mentions quite a few more. Um, all with like the common themes of eating children. You have 
Babaroga from Croatia, ugly old hag, eats disobedient kids, or kids who are just out too late. <laughs> um, you have Tata Duende from Latin America, mostly Mayan and mestizo. He has backwards feet, no thumbs, and this guy, all he really wants are the thumbs. He's known to protect the jungle, but sometimes lures badkins, bad, oh my, Bailey. <laughs> badkins. Bad, badkins in, um, lures the bad kids in to eat their thumbs. He's a thumb guy, you know? Okay, but like, then does he just like let them go? He just. I guess, and then they just don't have thumbs. That's not that bad. Like, it, right. in comparison. You still have four other fingers. I mean, I feel like you could adapt. You could, co- you you could get past grab. that. You could still grab. Yeah. Listen, there is a guy on TikTok. I do not remember his username, so I'm so sorry. Um, But he doesn't even have arms, and he does his makeup gorgeously. So, like, you can live without a thumb. Yeah. Um, Quit being so dramatic, kids. You can live without a thumb. Right. You have Namahage from Japan. They won't take just disobedient kids. They'll go for a lazy one. (laughs) Or one who cries too much. (laughs) They... (laughs) You'd be gone. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. They roam the streets and call out, No mami ko hagataka yo, meaning blisters healed yet, meant to insult people who lazily sit by the fire all day. Um, or there was also another mention of, like, are you a crybaby? Like, is there a crybaby out there? Which is a little on the nose, but you got to go for your target audience. Yeah, I mean, kids are simple, you know? You got right. to be real specific and clear when you ask for them mm-hmm. and they'll cry out for sure um you have luomo nero comes from the eastern mediterranean dressed in all black they take naughty kids to live with them in a horrifying place for a year very much boarding school vibes yeah again yeah you could get past it comparatively right. one of the nicer ones i would think so they have a mask so a little scary but like nah. I've lived in a horrible place for a year. I lived in a horrible place for about 20 years, actually. (laughs) Oklahoma. (laughs) A red state. town. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there are others, but those were some of my favorite highlights. There were other mentions, like honorable mentions, like Baba Yaga. Um, Love her. She's a Russian witch. Flies around in a giant mortar and pestle. She has a house with chicken legs. She has iron teeth. She's mostly like a friend to humans but she's been known to chow down on a person or two i mean look some humans you can't be friends with and if you're a mortar and pestle flying iron toothed witch you need to eat right and you know sometimes you gotta let the lady with the chicken house eat your kid yeah okay we Um, all have to make sacrifices in this life Right, and sometimes it's to Baba Yaga. Um, also, you know the movie Anastasia by Don Bluth? Yeah. So, there is Bartok the Bat. I love him. He's my and favorite character. Bartok has his own movie called Bartok the Magnificent. It's not the best, mm-hmm. but it is entertaining enough. And Baba Yaga features... So, there's that. Um, they also have a song. It goes, Bartok 
the magnificent yeah there were others but those are like some of my favorite highlights now back to english folklore there are different variants that aren't always quite the bogeyman per se but there are other little creatures who do little prank-like things, usually light-hearted. They are called bogies, boggarts, bugbears, hobgoblins, hob sometimes fairies or fae. Mm. Now, there's a story that I mentioned to you before called The Green Mist. It came from this book that my sister had. It came from the late 80s, the actual 1980s, not the <laughs> 1800s, um, called Short and Shivery. It's a collection of scary tales from around the globe, all retold by Robert D. San Suchi or Susi. I fell in love with it as a kid. And um, yeah, there's a story called The Green Mist, which left more of an impact on me than I planned on it ever to, even to this day. And I would like to go ahead and share that short tale with you. Can we legally do that? I think so. We don't make any money, so. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, continue. The Green Mist by Robert D. Sansucci. In the old days, folk believed that spring came to the world when a green mist covered the land and set seeds to bursting and made fields and trees and flowers grow again. Once there was a family more eager than the rest for the green mist to rise and put an end to winter. Their only daughter had grown very sickly during the time of cold and snows, and she had been the prettiest young woman in the village. But now she was so pale and thin and weak that she could not stand up with her own feet without the help of her parents or one of her brothers. Do you think if she were initially ugly, they would have cared? Nobody would have cared. Nobody would have cared. Mm -mm. Mm. Everyone else was sure that she would die soon, but she thought that if she could only see the spring again, she would live. Oh, mother, she would say over and over again. If the green mist would only come, I'm sure it would make me feel strong and well like the trees and the flowers and the corn in the fields. Very much me. Very much cottage corn lesbian over here. <laughs> um, her mother promised her that spring would come soon enough and she'd grow strong and pretty as ever. But day after day, the girl became weaker and more lifeless like an early blooming flower when winter comes back. After a false spring. And that's me. <laughs> Tinder bio. Each morning, they carried her bed to the doorway so she could watch for the first sign of spring. But the snows lingered and kept the seeds asleep and the trees lifeless and the fields and flower beds locked in its frosty grip. Finally, in a voice hardly above a whisper, the girl said to her mother, if the green mist doesn't come tomorrow, then I must die. The earth is calling me and it will cover me soon enough. Oh, if only I could live as long as one of those cow's lips that grow by the door each spring. I swear I'd be content. Which, if you don't know, cow's lips are pretty yellow flowers. Hush now, child, hush, her mother cautioned. You don't know who might hear you say such a thing. The old woman knew that there were always bogies around. Wicked goblins who made mischief and grief for their human neighbors. No one was ever safe. People thought these evil creatures they couldn't see were always spying on them and waiting to play their wretched tricks. Even as the woman looked nervously around, she thought she heard thin, piping laughter on the icy breeze, and the sound of that merriment came from no one of flesh and bone and blood. But... Her worries were quickly forgotten. The next day, the green mist rose like an ocean, the color of grass in the summer sunshine, and as sweet-smelling as the flowers in the spring. 
It covered the countryside and roused the earth from its winter sleep. The girl, watching from the doorway, said, Now I'll live! She sat in the sun and laughed with joy, and waved to her father and brothers as they worked in the nearby fields. She grew stronger and fairer every day that the sun shone. Sometimes she would stretch her arms up as if she lived by its warmth alone. But when a cloud hid the sun, she suddenly became as pale and wispy as she had been during the long, dark winter days and nights. Oh my god. This girl is so dramatic. (laughs) She's like, I need my vitamin D. Uh, Take a pill. But there were more sunny days than not, and the cowslips bloomed by the kitchen door. Soon she was running about and laughing like her old self. Every morning she would kneel by the cowslips and water and tend them, and sometimes she would dance for them in the sunshine. Sometimes her mother would catch her just staring and staring at the fragrant yellow blossoms. Once... When the old woman leaned down to gather a bouquet of the flowers, the girl cried out, Oh, mother, don't pick a single one. Why not? Her mother wondered. They're pretty enough growing where they are, and I feel that if you plucked a single one, you'd pluck out a bit of my soul with each blossom. The woman was deeply troubled by these words, and the fear she heard in her daughter's voice, she remembered the girl's rash promise that she would be happy living just as long as the cow's lips, and she recalled the thin, piping laughter that had followed the girl's words. Indeed, her child seemed to grow stranger and stronger as the cowslips flowered, yet she also grew more beautiful and strong enough to do chores around the house or run errands to the village. One day in town, she met a handsome young man who thought her the most beautiful girl he had ever seen. They talked a bit, and he asked if he could come over and visit her. She smiled and nodded and told him where she lived. He came the next day, and they walked together for a long time, hand in hand, In the afternoon, they sat under a tree near the kitchen door, because the day was sunny and warm, and the girl fell asleep. While she dreamed, the young man gathered up the cowslips from beside the kitchen door and wove those into a wreath. Gently, he set it on her head, waking her up. At first, she laughed, but when she pulled the wreath off of her head to look at his handiwork, she was horrified to see what he had done. "'You picked the cowslip to make this!' she cried. "'I,' he said, "'a crown of flowers for the prettiest lass in the neighborhood.' But with a moan, she snatched up the wreath and clutched it to her breast. And then she stood, staring wildly around at the green trees and the sprouting grass and the golden sun and the yellow cowslips most of all. Puzzled, the young man reached for her, but she gave an awful cry like an animal in pain and hurried into the house, slamming the door behind her. Nor would she open it when the young man knocked and pleaded with her to tell him what was wrong with his love wreath. After a time, he gave up calling to her and went sorrowfully back to town. In the late afternoon, the girl's mother, who had been visiting a neighbor, found her lying on the bed with the wreath of cowslips in her hand. The old woman put her hand to her mouth to keep from crying out. Then she sat by her child and tried to make her comfortable. But all day long, the girl seemed to fade, nor could her mother coax her to speak a single word. The following morning, her family found her lying dead and white and withered, like the shrunken yellow flowers and the wreath still clutched in her hand. While the old woman clung to her husband and wept, she heard thin, piping laughter through the open window. She knew for a fact that the bogies had heard her daughter's wish, and they had let her live as long as the cow's lips, but had caused her to fade when the cow's lips themselves had died. I don't know about you. That story, originally not scary. Like, spooky, for sure. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it has made me, like throughout my whole young childhood and adult life question 
anything that I'm going to say after. I wish. I know. It's no. so annoying. I don't do it. Because imagine, just imagine, the one time, and you're like, I wish it was Friday. Granted. Boom. It's Friday. You could have wished for literally anything, and now it's just Friday. Great. What now? I mean, that, that, why is that, like, such a bad thing, though? Because you might as well wish for better things, like world peace and end to the environmental crisis. Do you not get more than one? You might not. Do you know what I think? I think that this um, little, like, sick bitch's mother should have wished that she wouldn't die when the cowslips died. Oh, yeah. Or, like, traded places, like a good mom. Also, like, leave it to, like, some guy to ruin everything. Mm -hmm. To pick some flowers and be like, oh, she'll like it. With his love wreath. Ew, now I have a call, unknown name. Dude, I've I've gotten four while we've been recording. Should we answer this one live? No. (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't want to talk to us. A spam. Um, but yeah, so I know that doesn't keep the same like theme of eating kids, but it's scary to me all the same. So be careful what you wish for because you don't know who is listening. That's what I'm going to say. Maybe say instead of I wish it was Friday, say Ugh, I'd rather it were Friday. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Um, what? I think people and then like children say I wish for whatever that could have unintended consequences all the time and then like nothing happens you know I just think you might be being like this girl like the dead flower girl I think you might be being like a a tad dramatic well I am gay just like Lizzie Borden and probably just like this girl we're dramatic (laughs) just like you I don't know what you're talking about but that is my story about the boogeyman. That's really interesting. There's actually like a lot that I didn't know. I know there's a lot of, I mean, look, it's like everywhere. I assume that like the boogeyman is just a parent's invention in any single culture to be like, I don't want you to do this. So I'm going to scare you from doing that right. to keep you safe. Yeah. Because that's like the, that's the whole theme. And even I forgot a another big mention. Um, oh, my God. Christmas. Germany. What's his name? Got horns. Black fur. What's his name? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but I'm blinking, too. Krampus. Krampus. <laughs> wow. Why didn't you do that? <laughs> Just kind of. Yeah. Um, he, so he, like, puts kids in, like, a big sack and takes them away if they're bad. Well, that's also a big theme. Like quite a few stories of like putting kids into a sack. There was one even called like the sack man. Like I forget <laughs> which country it is, but like just I mean taking kids and slapping them into sacks. Like it just I don't know. Oh, there was one in Africa that like took kids and then wore a coat out of all the clothes of the kids that he'd eaten. Oh, and I was like that is fashionable, but also like sick. It's kind of iconic. It is kind of iconic. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, humans have been wearing animal fur for the longest. Oh, my God. It's my birthday clock. Happy birthday to me. You know, so it's just, I don't see a problem. Too big of a problem. 
We've worn fur. Fur. Oh my god. We've worn fur. He wore the clothes. At least he didn't wear the skin. Yeah, the skin would be objectively much worse. Yeah, that's how they should have told it. <laughs> if you really wanted to traumatize your kids. <laughs> yeah. Were you ever told anything as a kid that like really traumatized you, something that wasn't true? No, so my parents didn't really do... Um... <laughs> yes, we have. What? Hell. Oh, well, yeah. The whole, I mean, God and Satan and hell and all of that stuff. But, yeah, as far as, like, boogeyman type stuff, like, my parents never did that. Like, they just straight up told me. Like, when I was, I think, like, seven, my mom told me that... Um, if I left the door unlocked, I mean, we, I think I've actually talked about this on the podcast before, but my mom told me if I left the door unlocked, I'd get chopped up by an axe murderer. <laughs> so, like, my parents just told me about, like, real <coughs> horrible things. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, and you and I grew up in that time of, like, parents just being, like, which, I mean, look, valid. Like, kids are kidnapped and terrible things do happen, but it was almost, like, I don't know. It was just, like, really harped on, like, as a kid, like, in schools and stuff that like don't trust literally anybody anyway. because you're going to be kidnapped yeah. like it's going to happen but look sometimes do you remember I think I probably mentioned on the podcast before but it could have been the boogeyman or Krampus but there was some dude and I lived in an apartment complex and there was some dude at nighttime who came dressed as Santa and it was like unseasonably not the time mm-hmm. to be Santa and was giving out candy and me and my oldest sister took a bag and my middle sister did not because she's the most rational one and i don't remember if i ate any of the candy or not but that's like dangerous yeah. and weird yeah for sure like and it was nighttime that's really weird i would not i was so afraid of like strangers because we all we grew up in like the stranger danger era so i was i would never have done that yeah, so did I. My mom taught us, uh, she taught us a lot of, like, musical things, which I think is like, why, why I learn better that way if I make something into, like, a little song. But she always said, never go with the stranger, no siree, only go with your family. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, easy to remember. It is. That's how my mom said that when I was in kindergarten. I... Uh, you know how they ask you, like, what's your name, your address, your phone number? Like, that's just a thing that you learn as a kid. My mom had taught it to me as, like, which I won't say the address, but it was like, da 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 apartment C. Um, <laughs> and so when she was like, okay, what is it? And I was like, da 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 she was like it was hilarious yeah but yeah um definitely i would check out this other little short and shivery story i bought it i was able to buy it like on the apple like bookstore really nice really cute it's got like a blue skull on it um a lot of cute little scary spooky stories if you're not like one to get really scared but there is one called taily poe i almost read that one it's it's still kind of scary. It's based off an African scary story. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. I love a I love a spooky anthology. Yeah, that's all I have, man. I hope it was good enough. Yeah, very cool. I I actually didn't really know 
basically anything about like the origin of the boogeyman so i was i found it very fascinating good Good job so with those stories take one last look at the stars pick up your s'more and head right into your tent and zip it up tight because it's a scary world out there so hold on to the people you love bye Bye. Okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>